0: Welcome to the UGABCM podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the UGABCM right on campus in Athens, Georgia. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so we are going to press in the word together. Um, Go ahead and take your Bibles and go to 1 John chapter 4. That is where we're going to find our text for today. And the title for tonight is Perfect Love. Can you say perfect love? Let's try that one more time. Say perfect love. love. So first John chapter four, verse 17. I'm going to pray God's blessing upon our time and we're going to see what he has to say. So, father, we come before you tonight. God, I just thank you for this moment. God, thank you for this chance to communicate truth. Father, that's what we stand on here. (laughs) God, we've seen about what we've witnessed and we don't just say that from just the chorus and the song, but it's the truth. And whether we acknowledge that or not, the truth is we witness your grace every day because we're breathing. We got to wake up today and some people didn't. And the fact that we're here sitting in these seats to be a part of this gathering tonight, we can all say together we have witnessed the faithfulness of God. So tonight, Father, may you have your way as always. God, may you speak through me, your servant. God, I love you. Thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we'll tell you this, uh, you are at the uh, an organization has, that has the title Baptist on it, and I'm a Baptist preacher, and I'm a brother too, I don't know if you knew that or not, so if you hear something that you're like, oh, that kind of sounded good, just, it's okay to say amen, say, oh, preach it, preacher, come on with it, you can get up and run, uh, you know, well, don't do that, but uh, just let me know you're here, all right, we good with that, we good? All right, fantastic, fantastic, so There is a Canadian singer who is a best-selling Canadian singer of all time, and she recorded this song, and this song is called Because You Love Me. Anybody heard that song before? Okay, I didn't think too many had, because she wrote it when you were not born yet, Um, but it's okay. But here's how the chorus of that song goes. This is what she says, and her name is Celine Dion, by the way. Y'all know who she is? All right, come on now. Let's go. We go to Georgia. We got to be quick. We don't go to South Carolina, okay? So y'all stick with me here, all right? But this is how the song goes, right? You were my strength when I was weak. You were my voice when I couldn't speak. You were my eyes when I couldn't see. You saw the best that was in me. You lifted me up when I couldn't reach. You gave me faith because you believed. I'm everything I am because you loved me. That's good. And so she wrote that song. She was a part of singing that song. And in singing that song, she sang about what it felt to be a recipient of love. Primarily as it had to do with that love being initiated towards her. Nothing about that song is proactive on her part. It is all reactive on her part. Nothing in that song talks about what she did to receive love, to earn love, to work for love, to be good enough for love. She says, I'm everything I am because somebody else did something towards me. They, they loved me. Now, she sold over 2 million copies of that song. That's a lot of bread right there. But Celine might not have realized that she wasn't the first one to explain what initiating love looks like. The Bible was. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that really holds the thesis of our message together tonight. And it says we love because he first loved us. So it's important tonight not so much to to try to grasp and take hold of the love of God as much as we need to realize that it has grasped and taken hold of us. That is the love of God. One radical truth that we can embrace that can set you free in absolutely every single area of your life is when you embrace the fact that the love of God hunted you down and you didn't hunt the love of god down it came after you paul describes his salvation really as less of a conversion and as more of an arrest paul said in philippians three twelve, he said not that i have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal but i press on to take hold of that for which christ jesus took hold of me in ephesians 3 1 paul calls himself a prisoner of christ In Ephesians 4, 1, he says that I'm a prisoner of the Lord. In Philemon 1, 1, Paul addresses himself as a prisoner of Christ. In chapter 1, verse 23 of that same book, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. So Paul considers himself not only to be in chains for Christ, but he considers himself to be chained to Christ. You must be apprehended, arrested by Christ. Why? Why? Because nothing in you, nothing in me, has the will, nor the skill, nor the ability to always hold on to Jesus in every moment of every situation for the duration of our life. There's going to be moments in you where you want to slip and tip, and you're going to dip and fail, and you're going to fade away. You're going to waver. You're going to be prone to wonder. It's it's the nature of our flesh. It's the nature of how we tend to drift. And that's why Jesus had to come and implement this initiating love, this sustaining kind of love, because there's moments when we let go of him. But because I am chained to Christ, because Christ did a work in me that I could not do for myself, because Christ had this initiating love towards me, even when I want to let go of him, when I'm chained to him, even when I want to let go of him, he's still holding on to me. That's what it looks like to be chained to Christ, to be apprehended, to be arrested by Christ. Now, in verse seventeen of our text, it says, "By this is love perfected with us. By this is love perfected with us." Now, what is the this? It says, "By this." What is the this? Well, it is His initiating love. If you back up a few verses, go to verse nine and ten of First John chapter four. It says, "This. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world." So that we might live through him in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. So back to verse 17. By this, by that that I just read, is love perfected with us. Now, this word perfected here. Uh, John, he, he doesn't just use the Greek word uh, teleio, which, which has the idea of maturity and, and this idea of completeness. He writes teleio, teleio, speaking of a love that is perfectly perfected or completely complete. The double emphasis there. He wants you to doubly get what he's trying to say, that the love of Christ is perfectly perfected, completely complete. That means that the love of God doesn't have any holes in it. There's nothing that is lacking in the love of God. There are no imperfections in the love of God. You can't add anything to it, and you cannot take anything away from it. It is perfectly perfected. It is completely complete. And it has to be that way. Because if we keep going in verse 17, part B, it says this, so that we may have confidence or boldness, For the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, the day of judgment is when the completeness of love's work in us will be demonstrated. And as much as we have an an idea of the completeness of the love of God now, we're going to know it fully in that day of judgment when that day does come. And there is a day of judgment that is absolutely coming. And there's going to be many who exist in this world, many who have gone throughout this life with this idea of Christianity, this idea of following Christ, and many folks are going to go through this life, and, 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 and they're going to have this premise here that, well, you know, the, the, the big man upstairs, you know, somehow he's going to divvy stuff out according to, uh, to the productivity of my life, and, you know, uh, and, and I'm going to have some confidence before him during that judgment, but it's really going to be based on, on my credentials, I'm going to be able to stand before him one day because I've done a lot of good, good things. And, and, and I was a good person. I was a humanitarian and and so on and so forth. But, but the ironic thing is that those who are confident now without any assurance in Christ will actually have no basis of confidence when they stand before God. None. Because it, it, it looks this way, right? We, we have we have our basket. We have our. And this is my, my beautiful basket here. So this, this represents um, the stuff that we're going to present to God when this, this life is over, right? And this is of those who don't really understand their faith, who don't have a basis in Christ, but they're good people that do, do good stuff. So, so we put a little bit of good stuff in here, right? We, we helped some old lady cross the street, right? We gave somebody a dollar. We, you know, we didn't cuss out the South Carolina fans, and we're going to be nice to people, right? We helped somebody with their homework. We've been good, 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 uh, good kids, you know. We, we're, we're nice. We... So we we stack all this kind of stuff in and people, you know, they they do good at their jobs. They make a lot of money. They're philanthropic. They do all this stuff and they put it in that basket. And when this life is over, they go and they walk in and they're, let's just say they're walking into heaven and they're getting ready to stand before God and they've got their good stuff. Man, this is my confidence as I go before God. But there's a problem because when you approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, this stuff has to stay outside. So if I go to him and my confidence was in that, now where's my confidence? It's over there. But the flip side of that is that when you are in Christ, the confidence that you have is not based on you. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what he did. And so when I stand before God, I don't stand on my own merit. I don't stand on my own good deeds, my own good works, and all that kind of stuff I did. I'm here because Christ said I could come. I'm here because of the work that Jesus did for me, in me, and through me. And that is the basis of which we have our confidence when we stand before the judge. We are in Christ. We come because he says we can come. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been places in my life where I wasn't allowed to go in. Because I didn't have the credentials. I didn't know the right people. I wasn't the right person. And and certain walls you can't get through because you just can't. And I think about last year. So we were at the SEC tournament with a basketball team. And it's in Nashville. And so we we go. And uh, we go up a few days early. We get to go into the arena. We get to go practice. And it's very strict whenever you go up there in Nashville, SEC tournament. You got to have the credentials. Well, they were still working on mine. And so the team had already gone in, and I was talking to Coach White, and he and I started to walk in together. So I was at my phone doing something real quick. He kind of got ahead of me. And so he walks up, and there's guys who are checking credentials and stuff. But Coach doesn't have any credentials in terms of a piece of paper or anything. But he's Coach White, and they know who he is. So they're like, Coach White, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Glad to hear you're at Georgia. And y'all are turning things around. Come on in, coach. But I'm behind coach. <laughs> they don't know me, right? And so I'm going up and getting ready to go in, and they're like, hold on a minute now. Him we know, but who are you, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm with the basketball team. I'm in the chap, and I'm with Coach White. And as I begin to explain, they're like, okay, that's cute, but we still don't know who you are, right? And then coach turns around and he's like, he's with me. And they're like, oh, my bad. I'm like, yeah, get off me, sucker. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with him. I get to go in with him. And I get to go because Coach said that I can come. It was who I was with. See, it's one thing for me to approach that guy and say, hey, I'm this, that, and the other. But when Coach turns around and says, hey, he's with me, then I'm in. And when we stand before the Father, it's really not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And Christ says, he's with me. She's with me. And that's how we get to stand with confidence on that day of judgment. Because Christ declares that we are not only with him, we are in him. And here's the continuation of that truth in verse 18. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, but whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, again, there's a day that we're going to stand before God and there'll be nothing to hide. But there'll also be nothing to fear if you're in Christ. Nothing to fear. And we know that all that the the, the judgment that we ever deserve past, present, future, it has been poured out on Christ on the cross. And I love how the scripture says that perfect love casts out fear. I love this imagery of a casting out of fear. It's an intentional, forceful move to cast something out. Think about maybe the, the big bouncer at, at the venue. And he takes the troublemaker and he casts him out. Maybe some of y'all seen that downtown. We ain't going to tell on you tonight, but just, you just act like yeah, he ain't talking to me. Um, but the bouncer, he, he takes the trouble and he, and he casts the trouble out. That's his job. That's his responsibility. He stands guard at the gate. And that troublemaker knows they cannot come back in because to go back in means they've got to go through that bouncer again. And that big mean bouncer ain't letting that happen. You're not getting through him. Well, the perfect love of God is manifested through his son, Jesus. It does the casting out of the troublemaker called fear. And the Holy Spirit is the bouncer at the gate of the heart, and the Holy Spirit has a shirt on that says no fear allowed. And The Holy Spirit gives us confidence to know that the love of Christ is perfected in us because there's no holes in it. There's no imperfections in it. You can't add anything to it, and you can't take anything away from it. And for fear to get into the heart, It's got to go through the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That ain't happening. It's not happening. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Back to that initiating love. Now, the love of God, it always has an outlet of which it displays itself in our life. So it's not good enough to just say, yep, I love God, I worship God. But you treat your neighbor like crap. You disregard those around you. You don't serve those around you. You don't love those around you. The fact that we love God is one thing, but it's got to manifest itself through our lives and the way we live and the way we treat our neighbor. Here in verse 20, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother slash sister. You have to. So this points me back to something that Jesus addressed in Luke chapter 10. And there's a guy, there's a lawyer in Luke chapter 10, and he asked Jesus a question. And the question he asked Jesus was, hey, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because the truth is that it is easier to claim a love for an invisible God than it is for your visible neighbor. And the lawyer asked a question because he's dealing with this conundrum of, hey, who?" Who do I have to love? Who do I have to embrace? What do I have to do to gain eternal life? In other words, what, do I got, what, do, what boxes do I need to check that, that causes me to be moral enough or good enough to, to be embraced by you or to get this eternal life? What boxes do I need to check? And this is what Jesus says to him. What is written in the law? Question mark. How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, Yep, you got it. That's it. But but since you asked me a deeper question, and I know you know the law, right? Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, love your neighbor as yourself, that's the law. Check. You got it. But you asked me something a little bit deeper than that. So let me give you a deeper answer. And this is what Jesus does. He doesn't just give him the answer saying, hey, here it is. Jesus does this. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. See, Jesus is cold with it, y'all. He's he clean with it, man. I mean, he, just, he starts laying out a parable and a story, and he's painting a much bigger picture for this guy to get it and for us to get it. And essentially within that parable, I hope you know it, but, but he says that there's, there's this guy who's wounded, he's injured, he's on the side of the road, and the priest, he walks by, the Levite walks by, but the Samaritan stops. And that Samaritan takes care of that injured man who's close to the point of death. And he, he takes him in and he binds up his wounds and he covers the bill and says, just take care of him, whatever he needs, I got it. And Jesus looks at that lawyer that asked that question and he says, which was the neighbor to that man? And the lawyer responds, and he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Charles Spurgeon, he has a quote. He says, this is a fact for every true follower of Jesus. There is no exception to this rule. If a man loves not his neighbor, neither is he born of God. Show me a fire without heat. Then show me regeneration that does not produce love to one's neighbor. If there is no love towards your neighbor, then I would argue, friends, there might not be regeneration in your heart. And with this idea of love, see, God legislates love. It's it's his law. God created the law of love. He commands this law, commands us to love one another. But God will never command us to do something that he does not in turn enable you to do it. And this is where the role of the Holy Spirit comes in. Because there's a whole lot that we want to do. There's a whole lot that we want to accomplish. I remember walking this hill right here. I went to UGA 2005-2009. Lived in Creswell. Lord, that was an experience. Sounds like it might still be for some of y'all. But walking up and down this hill, going to the SLC at the time, Tate Center, trying to figure out what life looked like, trying to honor Christ. Came from a very small town in West Georgia. Went to a small school called Bowden High School. Graduated with... Fifty-four people. The incoming freshman class at the time was 6,000. Culture shock for this little country boy. I come here and trying to figure out my way, trying to honor Christ. I know that I love God. There's temptations. There's all kind of stuff going on. And I'm thinking, hey, I can do this. I can overcome temptation and flesh, and I can overcome all these things, and I can do this. And the more that I tried, the more that I failed. And I failed to realize the fact that, listen, as a believer, I must yield and submit to the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me to do this. Empower me to live a life that pleases you. Empower me and help me to love my neighbor because within myself, I want to choke my neighbor sometimes. My neighbor gets on my nerves sometimes. And for some of y'all, it might be your roommate that you might be sitting next to tonight. And there's times where we just, we struggle through these things and we just forget the role of the Holy Spirit. We forget to say, God, like, you must help me live a life that pleases you because I cannot do it on my own. And the way that we do this is we know that the reason we love is because we have been loved, and we show mercy because mercy has been shown to us. Now, as I I finish this up tonight, I I want you to, in your heads, just picture the love of your father, of your heavenly father, the love of God. And for some of you, this topic might be a tough one because you, you correlate God as a father to your earthly father. And for some of you, that's a very tumultuous situation. You, you don't correlate the two or you struggle even with the love of God because you, you struggle with the love of your actual father. And it's hard for you to embrace that at times. And, and I've got a fantastic dad. My dad is Pastor in ministry, but he came from a very difficult situation. He's the youngest of 16 kids. Crazy. Youngest of 16. And yeah, it's crazy. Uh, dinner time was like wartime around there, right? You go to get a roll, you might get a fork in the back of your hand. It just is how it is. But him and struggling with that, one of the main things that he would always tell me is son, you can become what you didn't have. And for him, he did. He's a fantastic father. And now that I'm a father, I have three kids. I have a 16-year-old, I have a 7-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And understanding the love of God was made real to me in raising children and and, and having kids. And I think about the fact that my love for my daughter and my two sons is unconditional. And what would it look like for them to come to me and try to always ask me, Dad, do you really love me? Do you really love me? What if they ask me that every single day? Dad, do you really, really love me? And at some point, I'd say, what else do I have to do to prove it? I would give my life for you. I've supplied all the needs that you have. I've looked ahead for the needs that you have. And it's there for you. And with my kids, my kids didn't show up and go, hey, dad, I'm going to love you first. And then with the love that I have for you, if I can prove it good enough, then will you love me? No, I love my kids before I even knew them. I loved my kids while they were in their mommy's womb, before they entered into this earth. I initiated love on my children. When my kids come to me and they're struggling with fear, daddy's role is to help cast out that fear. Firstly, I point them to Christ. But secondly, if there's something that requires my protection over my children, dad is coming dad's going to be there dad's going to take care of your reason to fear daddy's got you covered your heavenly father has you covered and in the same way that i love my kids i've initiated love on them i cast out fear there's also something called discipline that i must institute into my children that's the part that they don't always love they don't always understand but i know why it's necessary It's to help keep them within the guardrails. It's to help point them in the right direction. That's my role. That's my job. It's to provide discipline in their life so that they know stuff isn't meant to just come easy. You've got to work for what you have. You've got to appreciate what you have. You have to be a steward over what you have. And discipline is oftentimes the necessary tool to to pull that, to yield that out of them. And you might be upset with God whenever he comes in and he institutes discipline in your life and says, hey, this is as far as I want you to go with this. Matter of fact, I don't even want you to get close to the edge because if you get to the edge, you're going to be tempted to go over it. So I want you back here. And I'm going to put discipline in your life. I'm going to put accountability in your life. I'm going to put brothers around brothers and sisters around sisters. I'm going to put a, a whole organization here and Tommy and in staff to help you be disciplined in your life because I know what's beyond the veil. I know what's beyond the fence. I know the temptations that lurk. And Satan's job as a liar and a deceiver is to destroy you. That's what he wants to do. That's his role. That's his job. But we are loved by God. And my question for us tonight is, have you been laid hold of by God's love? Some of you might be ineffective and uninvolved in the fight of faith because you're you're maybe looking for some kind of feeling first. And you're letting your faith and your trust in God be led by how you feel. And at this moment, maybe in your life, you're here tonight, you're under the singing and the teaching and the preaching of the word, but you're struggling with finding the feeling. It's like you're numb to the things of God. It's like you hear the words, you hear the preaching, you hear the songs, and it's just not really resonating with you. You're looking and searching for a feeling, and you've come tonight looking for that feeling. Maybe you don't feel like praying. You don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like engaging in discipleship. You don't feel like having accountability in your life. You don't feel like serving. And you want God to prove himself by making you feel a certain type of way. God, give me the the, the passion back. Give me the feeling back. I was once in my life at this place, kind of on the mountaintop. Lord, I want to go back to that. How can I get that feeling back again? And if you can get me back to that place, God, then I'll know you're real. Then I'll serve you. Then I'll be all in. Let me feel like I want to serve you. But listen, all of that is rooted in your effort to try and apprehend God. That's what that is. That's your effort to try to work hard enough to please God. And to get to God and to apprehend God. But the most courageous amongst us tonight, the most faithful among us, the most prayerful, the most joyful among us are not those who are trying to grasp the love of God. But it is those who have been grasped by the love of God. That's where we rest. Because I'm on this stage and I am preaching you tonight, but I'm jacked up. There's sin in my life. There's struggles that I have. But I know one thing. I have been apprehended and arrested by the love of God. He has saved my life. And because of that, I I can't outrun it. I can't. The grace of God is there because He's grabbed a hold of me. It's a wonderful thing to be unconditionally loved. It's a wonderful thing to sing to God the same thing that Celine saying, but in a different way, Lord, you lifted me up when I couldn't reach. You gave me faith because you believed. I'm everything I am because you loved me. And even when I don't feel that, I still know that it's true, because God said in His word that is true. And God cannot lie. So when it comes to the believer, when it comes to where you stand, When it comes to communicating with each other, don't ask each other how you feel. Ask each other what you know. Don't ask me how I feel because that's going to ebb and flow with the day. I might feel great or I might feel terrible. I might feel fantastic or I might feel like I'm ready to throw some hands. I don't know. You ask me how I feel, I can't call it all the time. But if you ask me what I know, I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I know who Jesus is. I know that he saved me and he rescued me and he redeemed me. I know that he lived a sinless life. I know that he died on the cross for my sin. I know that the blood's still working. It still transforms and still saves and still delivers and still sets free. I know these things. So ask me what I know. Don't ask me how I feel. I know who Jesus is. Do you know who Jesus is? And if you know who he is, then start living like it. Start acting like it. Start speaking like it because there's a starving world on this campus that needs to have this question answered and they not they're not gonna come in here they're gonna watch you out there they're gonna watch how you act and, 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 and participate and integrate with the life and the culture of this campus you are gonna answer that question when they come to you it's not gonna be something that you're not certain about something that you got to try to conjure up you go to the book because Jesus clearly defines who he is and that's what y'all are learning right now you're going to keep learning you go to the word of God we do this because he has loved us first thank you so much for listening to this episode if you would like to know more about us visit our Instagram at UGABCM or visit us on our website at at ugabcm.org. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.